You're now listening to the Hot Take Podcast with Stephen Blake, your source for everything fantasy football. Here are your hosts, Stephen Taroni and Blake Sullivan of Roto Baller. Welcome in. We are back for an exciting episode of the Hot Take Fantasy Football. And I'm excited. Because we're going to talk about our top 12 running backs on today's show. Yes, that's right. Top 12 running backs. We are in May. Don't worry. You check the calendar and it is correct. But you know what? What time then now for our top 12 running backs? We got dynasty startups going on. We got best ball drafts. And, of course, we want to just get a good grasp of what, who we like, who we're targeting early on in fantasy football drafts. My man Blake Sullivan is with me and back. What's going on, Blake? I'm back, done with school, ready to just enjoy football. Uh, even though it hasn't started yet, I can still enjoy it. But like you said, there's a lot going on where people are starting up some drafts early. I uh, definitely want to get some of this info out there and get our takes out there. Dude, congratulations to you for, uh, for graduating. You got yourself a degree over there. Yeah, I appreciate it. Got myself a degree, and congrats to you too. Uh, big things happening, getting yeah. married. That's right. Yeah, I am officially married. It's pretty insane, but uh, I, uh, I I did it, and it is done. I feel relieved. I feel good. You know, it's uh, there was a lot of buildup, obviously, to the wedding, and uh, you know, now that it's over, it's just time to uh, time to relax and live my life. You know, enjoy it. Most definitely, and we're gonna enjoy ourselves today with our guest Bob Lung of Big Guy Fantasy Sports. What's going on, man? Doing great, man. Uh, thank you for having me on. It's an uh, honor to be here. And I, I'm at the opposite end of both of your guys' life. My kids are getting graduated from college, and, and I'm empty nested, and I've been married for 30 years. So I'm at the opposite end. So you guys enjoy. Have, have fun with that. It's a good time. So you're saying that your children are like Blake's age? Yeah. They're 24, 25, and 28. Oh, they're all way older than Blake. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Couple of years. They're way older than Blake, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, now Blake, you're. Uh, did you just turn twenty-two? Yeah, I'm twenty. So, twenty. Oh. Yeah. Why do you graduate from? You're like me. I graduated from college at twenty. I was a youngster. Blake is the young prodigy, man. You know, when yeah. when we when me and Blake started up, you know, that's I was like, okay, you know, we we got the youth on our side. There you this go. Is, you oh, know, yeah. the hot take brings brings the youth, and we we try to appeal to the younger, uh, I guess, uh, audience. But I'm really excited to get into these top twelve running backs, and of course, you know, we want to talk about your consistency guide, Bob. Just tell the listeners about the consistency guide and uh, what can they can expect from it from uh, for 2019. You got it. Thank you. Um, so the the consistency guide for those of you who've been playing fantasy football for any significant time. Um, if you don't know how important consistency in your fantasy players are to your team, you've been missing out. Uh, and if you're one of those people that every year seem to have some of the one of the top scoring teams, and yet somehow you keep missing the playoffs, uh, that could be because you have a lot of inconsistent players on your team. And obviously the importance is to find people who score a lot of points every week, and you always need that. 
but to make sure you get somebody who does that week after week after week. And even if it's, you know, 15 points a week, 15 points a week, 15 points a week, that's much better than the guy who gets you 31 week, five the next, 35. Because at the end of the year, they're only half helping you out half those games. So I created this concept back in 2002. I've been playing fantasy football long before probably both of you were born, uh, oh. 1985. And, wow. um, and so, uh, you know, I kind of came up with this idea in 2002 and a few years ago I started writing my own fantasy football magazine because none of the magazines on the shelves, uh, had any consistency information in them. And so I decided to create my own. And, uh, last year I had the honor of winning the, uh, FSWA fantasy sports writers of America's, uh, best fantasy football publication of the year and the second year finalists as well. So just honored uh, to be able to bring this to you guys and talk about it. And as you're going to hear a lot, I'm going to use the word consistency a lot today to talk about the players that are in the top 12 running backs uh, and other players as well. And some are consistent, some are inconsistent. Top 12 pretty much have to be pretty consistent. That's what we're going to talk about. And so that's a little bit about the book. You can buy the printed copy on Amazon. Uh, if you're a PDF kind of person and you want to get the, the free updates all season, just go to BigGuyFantasySports.com and you can get it there as well. That's fantastic. Yeah, and, you know, uh, consistency is huge. Obviously, you know, we can look at the end of the year stats and that's all well and good. But, you know, Amari Cooper is a big guy who I'm sure that, you know, you, you talk about a lot. Sure, that, you know, you know, when, when you're talking about 35, 10, all over the place, that's who I think about. And, you know, these are the guys who you can put in your lineup every week um, and, and you don't know what you're going to get. Right. Yeah. And those will kill you. And, you know, last year, the bad guys were the quarterbacks, Drew Brees, Jared Goff. These guys were top 10 quarterbacks in total fantasy points, but both of them had consistency ratings under 50%. In fact, Drew Brees was 47%. That means less than half the games last year, he was actually hurting your fantasy team by not getting over that 20-point factor of the week uh, in, a, in a standard scoring. So those are the kind of things that the guide brings out that most people won't see anywhere else. And that's what I'm there to help them just add this to their arsenal. This is not going to replace your big side. It's not going to replace, you know, you want to go to you guys, uh, you know, for the hot takes and get that good information as well. But then you want to add this. Like I always tell people I'm kind of the fries to the happy meal. Uh, you know, I'm just that side piece, but they're crunchy. It's salty, but it, it gives you the right, it gives you good information and good, good taste. Yeah. Well, and you feel satisfied afterwards. Exactly. You feel, cool, you exactly. feel like you ate a good meal. Right. Um, <laughs> so we talk about, you know, consistency and, you know, the quarterback position. And one guy that I think of as pretty inconsistent um, is Russell Wilson, right? I mean, he usually starts off the year pretty slow and you kind of, you might even see him on a waiver wire. Um, you know, especially in like 10, 10 team leagues. And then all of a sudden at the end of the year, he bounces back. Um, and that big part of that for years was Doug Baldwin. So I want to mm -hmm. start off with talking about uh, before we get into our top 12 running backs, Doug Baldwin has indicated on Twitter that he is going to move on from football. It seems like that's the case. He hasn't officially retired yet, but he has dealt with nagging hip, hamstring, knee injuries for most of his career. Uh, we obviously saw last year he was on the field, but really couldn't contribute, um, especially you know for fantasy football. It was really difficult um, to put him in your lineups. So, you know, we want to talk about the Seattle Seahawks landscape of wide receivers moving forward. Obviously, DK Metcalf comes to mind um, as someone who can really step up. 
we have Tyler Lockett, who last year was a top 15 wide receiver in fantasy football. Um, so, Blake, why don't you start us off? You know, we, we want to talk about some of these guys. Is it really worth it to look into drafting some of these uh, Seahawks wide receivers? Yeah, I think I would be a little bit hesitant too, but there's definitely going to be value later in the drafts with, with getting some of these guys. You've got Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf who can both get down the field. Uh, they can both get vertical if they need to and both have pretty good hands. And, you know, that's something that really comes into play with Russell Wilson. David Moore could also have a good year, and they also have Jerron Brown from Arizona there now. So there's still some guys there in that offense that could could have some fantasy value. But I think uh, Chris Carson is really going to be the main staple in that offense this next year, keeping the ball on the ground a lot, uh, keeping Russell Wilson from – getting those hits like he has the last few years where he's just been getting destroyed in the backfield. Uh, and then ho hopefully that defense can be a little bit stronger this year and allow them to run the ball. Yeah. So 427 pass attempts uh, for the Seahawks last season. So that's kind of what I'm talking about when I say, is it worth it to draft some of these guys? Um, so that was 27th in the league. So, you know, you look at that 427 pass attempts and then you look at a Tampa Bay at the top at 625 and you look at their receivers what well, you know you could easy to say that someone like chris godwin who's obviously the number two receiver on this team is going to have way more value than a dk metcalf or a david moore now you bring up david moore blake and i'm glad you did you know he's a, a favorite on this show you know he really was on the field a good bit for this team last season so the game uh in which uh, Doug Baldwin missed in week 14. He was actually on the field for 79% of snaps. Um, so right behind Tyler Lockett in that regard. Um, the next week, 77%, even when Doug Baldwin was there. Um, so he really was on the field a lot for that outside present. Um, and I, I think that he's a great player. I mean, there was often times last season, because I would put play him a lot in DFS, where he would like go up and grab the ball and like one foot would land out of bounds. You know what I mean? That would happen a good bit last year. He came up huge um, in DFS for a couple weeks last season. Um, so I think he has every bit of a chance uh, to really make some noise as DK Metcalf in year one. But Bob, I know you want to talk about Tyler Lockett and his consistency last season. Right. Yeah. And, and so Tyler Lockett's a guy that I was already targeting as a, uh, a solid wide receiver too this year uh, before the Doug Baldwin, you know, basically is, uh, was going to move on uh, health wise and retirement wise. And, you know, like you said, last year, 17th in total points, but more importantly, 75% consistency, which ranked him 17th in consistency as well. Right. And that's a big deal. And you, and like you said, uh, with Baldwin moving on and most, you know, let's be honest, Baldwin, when he did play last year, wasn't 100%. So there's no question they relied on Lockett, and I know they'll continue to rely on Lockett. He's going to be their number one. Um, like you said, I think he's great value. His ADP right now is wide receiver 25. Mm. Uh, I have him ranked 17th. Now, I assume he's going to move up a little bit in the rankings, but probably what you'll see, and I always call it the shiny new toy syndrome, is you're going to see DK Metcalf skyrocket. And, and that's going to be put him, in my opinion, overvalued. I think D D Tyler Lockett is a great pick. Um, as, like you said, as a, if you can get him as your wide receiver three, and you already see that he can give you wide receiver two value, if not better, 
um, you've got a really good ball, uh, good, uh, you know, good scenario there for him. I do like David Moore as a, as a late round best ball uh, wide receiver six pick. Um, and so those are kind of my two guys that I like, you know, again, I'm not a big fan of, of rookies. So, um, Metcalf will probably be too high, uh, compared to where I think his value should be. He certainly could turn out to be a decent receiver, but receivers don't always do that well in a rookie year. Yeah. 71 targets for Tyler Lockett last year. And it really, that's uninspiring to me. Uh, when you have guys around him that finished, you know, uh, around him in a fantasy football finish that had so many more targets, um, yeah, you know, I look, you know, your word is consistency, Bob. My word is opportunity. <laughs> I want that opportunity share. I want right. those 20 targets. I, you know, and that's what I'm looking for. Um, so that 427 pass attempts for the Seahawks kind of just leaves me a lot left to be desired. So, you know, and it's interesting when we look at these receivers, because we got Gary Jennings, fourth round pick out of West Virginia. We have Jazz Ferguson, undrafted uh, rookie out of Northwestern State. And this guy is huge. He's 6'5". 227, runs a 4-4-5-40. It's obvious to me that the Seahawks wanted bigger receivers. That's what they went out and got. Um, right. Hey, Jazz Ferguson, and then Gary Jennings, who spans 6'1", more of a prototypical wide receiver one. So it'll be interesting what they want to do. They really do set up the pass with that play action. So there will be value for some of these guys. You know, when I look at DK – I kind of see it as a, a, a Nicole Hardman sort of thing with uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. You got McCole Hardman coming in, and people are going to really go crazy. That ADP is going to st- skyrocket, just like DK Metcalf. I'm just going to sit back, and at the end of drafts, if I want you know, a piece of this offense, with the Seahawks, I'll get David Moore. And then with the Chiefs, I'll get Demarcus Robinson. If I really want right. that. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I agree. I mean, like I said, I mean, I'm not a big fan of rookies that, you know, uh, wide receivers in their first year are usually around 5% of them that actually get drafted, go over that 60% threshold to prove that kind of their worth in the NFL. So, you know, whether it's Gary Jennings, Turd Ferguson, or whoever you're, you're <laughs> you know, going to put out there, uh, in my opinion, most rookies are turds. So it, it kind of fits the kind of fits them all. You must be a big fan of the show Last Man on Earth. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, with that, let's get into our top 12 running backs. This is what you guys came for today, and I'm really excited to go. We're going to start at the top. Ezekiel Elliott is our consensus, number one. He's number one across the board for the three of us, and that is surprising. We were talking off air. I mean, Saquon Barkley – even Alvin Kamara, I've seen as, you know, going off the board at the 101 in drafts. But again, I'll bring up opportunity again with Ezekiel Elliott and those 95 targets last in the passing game really solidify him as the, the, the RB1 for me. He only had nine touchdowns last season. I think if that can go up to about 12 or 13, he's easily the number one running back in fantasy football next season. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to consistency, there is no running back that has put up 90% consistency rating three years in a row except for Zeke. He is the only one, not Gurley, not Bell, not any of these guys. So Zeke is the man. And like you said, that second half of last year when they got Amari Cooper in town and they started using him as a running back, you know, it was more of a a pass catcher out of the backfield. 
that those last eight games, he was not only 100% consistent, but he averaged 25.35 fantasy points a game. That put him ahead of McCaffrey, ahead of Barkley, ahead of everybody for those last eight. In my mind, that's exactly what's going to happen this year. They're going to continue that trend because it worked well, and that's why he's my number one as well. Yeah, I'm kind of combining your guys' words of consistency and opportunity with Zeke. Uh, you brought up the Amari Cooper trade, and that was exactly one of the things that me and Steven have been talking about at the end of last year and coming into this year is what that's going to do more so for Zeke. Um, it just opens up the field so much more when you can clear out a whole side and, and have all that pressure going on to Amari Cooper because, I mean, when you look at it, 1,434 rushing yards last year, obviously he's the leader there. So if you're in standard scoring, he's probably going to be your guy. Mm-hmm. But then you see last year when his opportunity went up so much more in the receiving game, he had 77 receptions, and he was one of the leading uh, yard getters in in receptions as well. So he's just got a much higher ceiling, I think, than any of these other guys. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so what the Cowboys did last year was they started to funnel their targets to the wide receiver one, Amari Cooper, and then the running back. Um, so I think you're going to see a lot of that uh, next year as well. It worked for him. Yeah, not not to cut you off, but Jason Witten's back blocking now. Jason Witten is back. That's a big factor. You're right. They they are going to have that run blocking that they didn't have last year. That's that's a good good point. Um, you know, and then of course the line was banged up last year. Uh, Travis Frederick. I'm not sure the uh, the state of his injury, but I think that he'll play next season. Um, so yeah, you actually have uh, positives that you didn't have last season going into this year. So Ezekiel Elliott is my number one. You know, if he drops to, to the third overall pick, you know, that's, that's a steal as far as I'm concerned. But, of course, we are splitting hairs. These top four or five guys are all great. We know it. You're probably going to see, you know, 95% of drafts go, you know, with these four running backs to start off. And we're going to go to number two here with Saquon Barkley. And that is my number two, Blake. That's your number two. And across the board again, we have Saquon Barkley, all three of us. So, Bob, just tell me why it's Saquon over, let's say, Chris McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara. Well, just, again, I think it's opportunity with him. I mean, his consistency was there, obviously. But then so is all these guys. I mean, you know, last year these, uh, you know, these four guys went 93, 94, 94, 92. Mm. Um, or Kamara was 87. Um, right. that was only because he missed one game and more than the other guys. So certainly not that far off. Uh, these guys all have the ability. I mean, if I have to pick, I think I have to lean towards Barkley just because of opportunity. Uh, Kamara did lose Ingram, but then they picked up Latavius Murray. And I think they'll continue to use Murray in obviously Ingram's role. Uh, McCaffrey, he is a beast. I mean, I, I, I think you could almost argue if anybody could go to number two, I think you could put McCaffrey there. Uh, you know, he did that with, you know, uh, Cam Newton even injured and missing some games, and he still was that good, which they had every reason to focus on him and not worry about Cam not being there. They still couldn't stop him. So, you know, McCaffrey's a beast. He's been working out in the offseason. I don't know if you see some of the pictures. Started to look like uh, DJ Metcalf. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think, again, you're splitting hairs between Barkley and McCaffrey at this point. Um, I think those are definitely have to be two and three after Zeke. And whether you put one at two and the other one at three, that's fine. Um, I think Kamara, I don't know if Kamara can get ahead of these other two. Um, I just feel like he's just a tad below. I mean, he was 40 points below these guys uh, be, behind Barkley and McCaffrey. So from that standpoint, 
I have to believe that that's kind of his peak. But, you know, Barkley and them certainly are going to be good. The only thing that scares me a little bit about Barkley really is just the fact that, you know, uh, without Odell Beckham, will the, you know, the team's focus more on trying to stop him and put more, you know, guys in the box. And, but he's still such a good pass receiver. I don't think fantasy-wise in a PPR format you're going to have a problem. Yeah, of the guys we're talking about up here, Saquon has the most question marks as far as the offense he's on. Right. Uh, so that's the biggest issue, I think, with Saquon. If you look at all these guys, you can say, okay, they really do have, you know, things put in place for them to succeed offensively. Saquon, it's all talent. And we know he's a very talented back. You know, if you put him in some of these other situations, he might easily be one. Um, of course, 121 targets last season for 91 receptions, 721 yards, four touchdowns receiving, obviously a beast on the ground. So, you know, Saquon, all of these guys, there's a case for number one. Um, Blake, is there anything you want to add on Saquon? Yeah, I mean, I honestly think that he's the best talent I've ever seen in all of NFL. And I, I think he would be the running back one. But you look at what Zeke has there in that offense, and then you look at what Saquon has. Uh, there could be a situation where Eli Manning's not your quarterback 10 weeks in. It could be a situation where they've only won two games. 10 weeks in and they just say, Hey, you know, we're going to uh, scale you back a little bit. We're going to get some Wayne Gallman or Rod Smith or Paul oh, in here. And right. I don't know that it's necessarily going to happen, but it's something you have to consider in those last four weeks are going to be the most important weeks for your fantasy team. Uh, that's a big thing with consistency that you mm-hmm. can bring up is, you know, you have players that are really good in the beginning of the season, but tail off at the end of the year or, you know, just for people who uh, drafted Todd Gurley last year, obviously that's a little bit different situation, but those are always things to consider. And right. Especially you know, running backs, they wear down. It, absolutely, yeah. And you saw him last year, he was fresh. It was his first year in the league. Uh, he got a lot of carries last year, so that's something to be concerned with. And, you know, he, he was going to be going up against some stacked boxes this year. He's going to be getting hit harder. And some of those teams aren't going to be able to stop him. They're just not going to be able to scheme it, but – a lot of those teams are going to be able to to figure him out a little bit more and it's something you have to prepare for. Yeah, most definitely. I think he has the biggest concern when it comes to that. But like like you said, Blake, I mean, he's one of the most talented backs we've ever seen come out. Um, so Christian McCaffrey is our number three running back across the board once again. So, you know, we didn't even compare our top 12s. We just put them up and just coincidence that we had them all top three. For me, Christian McCaffrey, I considered as my number one. I mean, when I was like, you know, ranking out Chris, uh, running backs, McCaffrey was a guy who I considered for the number one spot. I really couldn't do it, but those 100, you know, I'm, I'm big with pass catching running backs, obviously, but those 107 uh, receptions, 367 yards, six touchdowns receiving, um, that's what you want out of, uh, out of a running back, especially in and, any sort of PPR format. Of course, we're doing half point PPR or half PPR. You know, I, I think Chris McCaffrey really surprised. He really impressed on the ground. 219 carries, 1,098 yards, and seven touchdowns. Uh, I, I think that people were surprised that he did what he could or what he did on the ground. Um, Bob, how does he check out in the consistency? Well, he's very good. I mean, his, his rookie season, he was one of the rare rookies who earned over 60% in his rookie season. He was 69%, ranked ninth in total points in 2017. He was that, at that point a top 12 running back as it is. Um, you know, I expected him to get a little bit better, but I don't think I even 
come close to thinking he would, you know, improve by 150 points and have 94% consistency. Uh, so that was huge. And, and I think that's why, and, and I, again, I couldn't argue with you. I mean, when you look at his numbers, um, you know, the best thing about him too uh, is that he's very consistent in all games. I think what's very important when you look at a stud is you want that stud that has consistency. So in a, in the, uh, the consistency guide, each player profile has what's called consistency versus the defenses. So it's home versus away and then good defense, which is top 10 bottom defense, which is bottom 10 bad defense and then average. And you know, he's 81% at home, 81% on the road. Mm. That's huge. There's a lot of guys you'll see that'll be like 100% at home and 65%. Well, their average might still be 70 or 75. You think, wow, he's really good. But on the road, they may, they may let you down. Uh, but McCaffrey's 81% both scenarios. You know, he does great against good defenses. In fact, on the road against a top 10 defense, he's three for three in consistency, averaging 13 points a game. That's what you want out of your stud is the guy that doesn't matter who he's playing. He's going to be your number one guy. Yeah, 100%. And I think that has a lot to do with his, uh, with his pass catching because Correct. that can keep him in the game no matter what the game script is. Um, you know, I don't really look at schedules too often for running backs, but we already know that every year Christian McCaffrey is going to play Tampa Bay twice and he's going to play mm-hmm. the Atlanta Falcons twice who are notorious for giving up points to pass catching running backs. Right. So, you know, you already have that going for you. Um, you know, if you're playing Christian McCaffrey – on the week where he's going up against Tampa Bay or Atlanta, you're scared. You're thinking, okay, that's <laughs> right. 20 points. And that happened to me a lot last year where I'd be like, man, <laughs> he's going up against Tampa and he's just playing me this week. So, you know, if you want that on your team and you're going to take him a number one overall, I, I, I like you were saying, Bob, I can't argue that. Um, so he is definitely up there. You know, we see, you know, he got bigger. Maybe that means he can uh, get more carries. Um, it, the backfield is his. So, you know, I, we could actually see an increase in usage for Christian McCaffrey on the ground this year. Number four for me and Bob is Alvin Kamara. Number four for Blake Todd Gurley. So let's start by talking about Alvin Kamara. This is going to be the first year without Mark Ingram. I think that's what we're all preparing for is an Alvin Kamara kind of not necessarily a breakout, but look, he's the lead guy no question about it he's gonna get a bump in usage I mean I I honestly really don't see it being a bump I see them using Latavius Murray just like Ingram um they'll he'll spell him he'll be a goal line back steal some you know vulture a few touchdowns um you know but he's going to be the power back to you know he's going to be the thunder to the lightning I don't know if I see if you know if Alvin Kamara just does what he does last year which I think that's pretty much what I would have him set for. And that's why I still have him at number four. Right. I don't see him really improving. I mean, his consistency was 87%. He might add one or two there, but you know, that's, uh, that, that's not a lot. Uh, but I, I don't see him dropping. I don't see him going up drastically either way. Yeah. 883 rushing yards. Um, the, those 14 touchdowns we like a lot. And you know, the, the new Orleans saints, they score touchdowns, uh, yeah. on the that's what they do. Um, but good point with Latavius Murray. I think that that's a guy who's, you know, going to be underdrafted. I yeah. think have great value this season in this role. Um, is Blake, are you feeling like Alvin Kamara, um, is going to be kind of the same here as he was last year or will he get a bump in usage? So 194 attempts last year, 
would you say that he gets above maybe like 210, 215? I think he tops 200. I don't, I don't know if I'd go as far as to say 210 or 215, but, and obviously that's not a huge difference. That's just, you know, one, one good quarter of a football game, but sure. I think he's going to get a little bit of a bump over 200, but I don't want to over exaggerate. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to overreact saying, Oh, you know, Mark Ingram's out of here and they're going to overlook Latavius Murray being there. Um, it might overlook some other things that offense is going to do. So I think I'm, I'm, I have him at five, so it's not like we're drastically different, but I just don't want to overreact too much on him, but I do think he has a great upside. Yeah, I mentioned it earlier. I saw him go off a sleeper bot uh, draft off at the 101 and a best ball on draft.com, play draft at, at 101. So uh-huh. people are really buying into Camara right now. So his mom's drafting a lot is what you're saying. <laughs> So, Blake, you have Todd Gurley at four, and, you know, that wouldn't be so controversial, uh, you know, in the middle of last year. We probably would be saying you're too low on him. But now it seems like he's going at the end of the first round in all sorts of formats. In every format I've seen, he's going at like the 109, something like that. Talk to me about Todd Gurley and why you're still keeping the faith. Yeah, I mean, it's, if you look at the numbers, it's just hard to – to look away from it last two seasons 19 and 21 touchdowns 2000 and 1800 yards in the last two seasons just ridiculous numbers and one thing that is concerning in the numbers is only 14 games last year and 15 games the year before obviously you want that number to be 16 so that part is a little bit concerning but uh, it also goes to show that if you would have had 16 games in either of those years you know, both of those seasons would have been over 2,000 yards and 20 touchdowns. So just an extreme value there. If you're getting him at the end of the first round, uh, I would personally be taking him at the four spot. I don't think I would go any earlier than that just because the injury concern is there. Uh, He's had four really tough years where he's kind of been running to the ground. But if you can get him, you know, at the four spot or later, I think you just have to take that. And maybe after a couple weeks into the season, people realize he's still the same Todd Gurley and you move on from him before he gets worn down at the end of the year. Yeah. Is this a situation, Bob, where, you know, maybe you you get Gurley and he starts off great and maybe you sell him before we (laughs) see what happens last year happen again? I mean, that's certainly a possibility, you know, like Blake said, you know, he was perfect you know, 12 for 12 in in clutch games last year through the first 12 games and everybody went, here we go. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, everybody was so excited. I know I had him in a number of leagues. Couldn't wait. Here comes the fantasy playoffs. You know what he did for all of us in 2017. You might as well just start dusting the, you know, the trophy shelf off because Gurley in the playoffs is God. And guess what? He went one for three and that didn't help. And then all of a sudden he's not playing and he's injured and and the Super Bowls and the playoffs. And then they draft Daryl Henderson and, uh, you know, it's a lot. So Blake's got a lot of, a lot of faith there. Now I drafted him kind of by accident in a best ball and I got him in the 10th spot and I get him like, Oh, well, okay. Now I went out and also came back and drafted, um, let's see, uh, carry on Johnson and Marlon Mack as my two and three in rounds three and four, because the 
I, I missed the second round and they took Travis Kelsey. So I loaded up on two good re- running backs and I'll have to get receivers later. But, you know, I, I get what you're saying, Blake. It's just, there was just so many, so many things that just scared me from that whole scenario. And then when they drafted Henderson, that kind of made it a little bit worse. If they would have just kept CJ Anderson or they would have got some other kind of, you know, veteran to have on the bench, I'd, pr- I'd be, I would have felt a little bit better about it, but, like you said, just have to wait and see if, if it works out and Gurley is Gurley. Yeah, getting picking them, whether it's fourth or tenth, that's great value. Yeah, I think you brought up a good point there, though, with Gurley. If, if you're in that spot, you're probably going to come around the corner and you know double him up with somebody like maybe David Johnson if he falls or Marlon right. Mack, uh, you know, somebody that's going to be out there every week and put up consistent points but might not be uh, – a do or die kind of player like Todd Gurley can be sometimes. Right. So yeah, I think that's a really good strategy if you want to go two running backs to start a draft with Todd Gurley. It certainly feels like we have to have some insurance policy with Todd Gurley just in case, you know, because there's no way you're going to have Gurley on your team and you didn't spend a high pick on him. You're either drafting a first round pick or a very early second round pick. Uh, very rare to see him go in the second round. I don't, I don't know how much the hype or like, you know, the negative hype of Todd Gurley will go where he'll maybe drop. Uh, maybe we see reports in the offseason. Maybe he can't report to training camp. Who knows? But at this point, to go off your point, Blake, we're kind of jumping the gun on this. I think everyone is collectively uh, with, you know, there's experts all in the fantasy football community that have Todd Gurley down in their rankings because of what we saw at the end of last year. And this could just be all a facade. It could be absolutely nothing we really don't know the extent of the injury bob you bring up a good point why would they draft daryl henderson but and you know, moved they really, up to get him well they really need yes they did they <laughs> you're right and they they saw something they liked in him um and that's their insurance policy right like you Correct. know <laughs> it, it's funny we had uh ryan mcdowell on the show a couple weeks ago and he said you know maybe we should start uh, mimicking what some of these you know gms are doing if they want an insurance policy for Gurley. Maybe we should have one too. So if you're drafting Gurley, I think you just got to be prepared to replace him. I, I think that's the, the gist of it. But, you know, if he falls to you at the end of the first round, you might walk away with a steal. Uh, you right. could really walk away with something. Um, let's move on to number five. Uh, Blake, you have Alvin Kamara. Um, and then, Bob, you have Melvin Gordon, who we're going to talk about. I have Le'Veon Bell at number five. And I think I'm very high on Le'Veon Bell. I don't think there's a lot of people out there that have him in their top five. That makes a lot of sense to me. Obviously, he didn't play last year. That's a big deal. And now he's a New York Jet. So what can we expect of Le'Veon Bell this season? For me, it's going to be Sam Darnold is going to be reliant on the dump-off pass. And I'm really – I'm expecting – a high usage for Le'Veon Bell in the passing game because he is a great receiver. Um, He's still, you know, top three in the league as far as I'm concerned, as far as receiver out of the backfield. So when I put him as number five, that's definitely because of the the points per reception that were given here. Um, I think he's still going to get a lot of touches. They brought him in, obviously, to use him. But I think he's still going to give you a high fantasy output this season. Yeah, so with Le'Veon Bell, I agree. I think you're going to see a lot more of the same that you did from him in Pittsburgh. Uh, I kind of expect the Jets to 
use him in a similar way, but the problem for me is we haven't seen him being used in the Jets system yet. So right. when there's these other guys that are talented like Kamara or Gordon or uh, like even Gurley in your rankings, you have him below Bell. I'll take somebody who I know has a – has obviously Bell has a role in the offense, but I know what Gurley's role is or I know what uh, a James Conner's role is. Whereas with Le'Veon Bell, I haven't, haven't seen him use him yet. So uh, that's really the only reason why I have a little bit of concern on him. And he's your number six running back, correct? Right. Yeah. So again, it's not major differences, but right. And then Bob, he's your number seven. So uh, I guess just talk to me about why Melvin Gordon over Le'Veon Bell. Well, I think they won. You know, a couple of things. One, Melvin Gordon is always very consistent. He's always in the eighty percentile. He's a guy you can count on. Um, he certainly's had his nicks and bumps, and, and has his has his injuries and he doesn't never seems to make it through a full season much anymore, or at least has that couple games. But I think you're going to get that with any running back outside of maybe the young studs like a Barkley and McCaffrey and those kind of guys. Um, you know, Le'Veon Bell, I, again, I, I definitely see the opportunity. I definitely see that scenario. I think what scares me the most is um, Le'Veon Bell to me is almost in the same situation as Barkley, except he's like eight years older. Right. He's on a bad team with a lot of opportunity. I could see him starting off like wildfire. And if you do get Bell and you can make it to about week 10 and he's either nine for 10 or 10 for 10 consistency wise, that's the time to sell him. Cause I feel like by the end of the year, if they use him as much as they need to use him to stay in games, keep him on the field that much, I feel like he's going to wear down because he's not 21, 22 years old anymore and he's not in Pittsburgh, and, and the defenses are going to be so focused. I mean, there's nobody for the Jets that's going to scare anybody else offensively outside of Le'Veon Bell. I'd put all 11 guys on if I had to. Yeah. Um, he's the only guy that you have to stop. Sam Darnold's not going to beat you. Quincy Anua, you know, Robbie Anderson, Chris Arnold, These guys don't scare anybody. Right. So if, if every defense just says, okay, our one job is to stop Le'Veon Bell, uh, yeah, he's going to see a lot of passes, but he's also going to get crushed every time he touches the ball. And I just don't know if there's enough in him talent-wise anymore at his older age. I know it doesn't sound old, but 28 <laughs> or 29 or 30, whatever he's getting close to be, yeah. that he can put up with that kind of beating all season long. And if they're 2-10, and 10, Bell's got his money. All he wanted was paid. And, you know, I hate to say this about anybody, but there's certain people that sometimes I go, once they get paid, you may not see the attitude and the intensity anymore. Um, that's what I see out of Le'Veon Bell. That's what scares me just a tad to move him to the seventh spot and put Melvin Gordon ahead of him. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell, age 27, and I definitely have a little bit of faith to put him over a Melvin Gordon who obviously his role is solidified. He is a pass-catching back. He's a three-down back for the Chargers uh, in a really good offense. So really there's no reason – for Melvin Gordon not to be ahead. I think if it came down to it, it would be really tough for me to pick Le'Veon Bell over Gordon. I think I would. But to your point, Bob, you know, I could see Le'Veon who let's let's remember how he runs, right? He's mm -hmm. very patient. He gets the ball and he observes. Is he really going to have time to do something? <laughs> no. He's, offensive he, if, he if he takes a second to observe, he just got crushed. Exactly. So he could like grab the ball, give a little stutter step, and then it's a two-yard loss. That could add up, and that could yeah. frustrate Le'Veon Bell. 
and really change the dynamic of this Jets offense. So we really don't know what to expect. Um, I think it's a, it's kind of a risk. Um, So, you know, look, we got the whole off season. We'll have preseason to see what's going on. I think the Jets are really going to want to use Le'Veon Bell and that's what he has going for him. Let's talk about Melvin Gordon, who is my number six right behind Le'Veon. Blake, he, he's your seven. He's your number five, Bob. So, Obviously, the 12 games, it's kind of concerning. Uh, you know, we had to kind of scramble as fantasy owners last year at the end of the season. So with Melvin Gordon, look, it, it, it's guns a-blazing. He's in a great situation. Uh, it's, a, it's a great offense. We know his role. Um, so I, I really think you could do a lot worse than drafting Melvin Gordon in the first round. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I think his peak was 2017 when he played all 16 games. He was fifth in total points. He was fifth in consistency. He was fifth in consistency last year, even though it was 92%. I think that's what you get out of him. And I don't know if you're going to get much more or you're going to get much less. It's all becomes, becomes health for him. When he's on the field, he produces. Um, he's in a great offense. There's a lot of weapons around him. So no, you know, teams can't stack the box against him. Um, I think they use Austin Eckler a little bit too much, but you know, I, they also got to keep Melvin Gordon fresh. So I get it. So I, I think that's where you're kind of at, you know, whether you pick Gordon fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, whatever the case may be, I think that's his, you know, a, a good spot for him. And uh, you, you kind of know what you're getting there. Not much more, not much less. Yeah. It's a guy that's going to put up solid points. He's going to get score touchdowns is a nice thing with Melvin Gordon. Mm-hmm. Uh, 14 touchdowns last year, even on the short season. So it's kind of in the same boat as Gurley, averaging a little bit over one touchdown a game. But the yards aren't quite there, and the receptions definitely aren't there. But, again, I think that just goes to to your point that they do use Austin Eckler a lot. Now they've got Justin Jackson that they developed a lot last year uh, in his absence. So, I mean, me and Steven were talking about it a lot last year when we were doing weekly, like, DFS shows and uh, redraft-focused stuff where – I was playing Austin Eckler in in my lineups, but I wasn't playing Melvin Gordon. And that was even in the beginning of the year when Gordon was healthy. Um, And it's just because he gets so much usage, even in that offense where Gordon is the guy and he's going to get the touchdowns. Those other guys still vulture a lot of those carries and mostly uh, in the receiving game. I think with Melvin Gordon, you're going to see, you know, it's going to be tough for him to put up a full 16 at this point with the, with his workload and how they use him. Um, it's going to be tough for him to, you know, like to your point, Bob, we might have seen his peak already, which is kind of scary if you're a Melvin Gordon owner in Dynasty. <laughs> so that's why, you know, our next guy that we're going to talk about, James Conner, I'm way more excited about. Um, you got the youth on his side. You've got a great situation in Pittsburgh. Um, and I'm – very excited about James Conner, who is our eighth running back overall uh, across the board with the three of us. Uh, and actually, that's doing him a disservice. He was the number six running back last year in half-point uh, reception and scoring. So, you know, Blake, just talk to me about James Conner. I really think that, you know, he could have top five upside. I mean, in this situation, what we saw last year, his heat, there was no – lapse at all in production from Le'Veon Bell to James Conner. Everything about his game was extremely solid. I think only thing holding him back for me right now is the absence of Antonio Brown, who was just such a key part of that offense. And I don't really think that that offense is going to struggle too much. They're still going to have Juju Smith-Schuster and some of those younger wide receivers could step up and kind of fill that role, but nobody's going to be Antonio Brown drawing that kind of attention 
Um, and I think defenses are going to be a little bit more aware and paying a little bit more respect to James Conner this year as well. Whereas last year they might've been game planning around, you know, the air game with Juju and Antonio. That's pretty scary when you see that on the schedule, but seeing James Conner's name back there probably wasn't very scary to them. So uh, things might change a little bit more this year. People might tighten up against him, but like you said, I think, I think he still has top five upside easily, but I think I'm going to have to draft him lower here around like the eighth spot, just because of those guys uh, ahead, like we've talked about, you, you kind of know what you're going to get. Yeah. Well, how did, uh, how did he chart out last season in the, in uh, the consist- consistency rankings, Bob? Well, he was good. I mean, like you said, he was sixth in total points, uh, full PPR, eighth in consistency, 85%. Nothing to sneeze at for a guy who basically, you know, had finally had the full-time job to himself. I think the only thing that scared me why I have him back a little bit is the fact that he didn't make it through the whole season. I mean, this guy has, should have lots of tread on the, the tires, and the fact that he wore down uh, over the season kind of – kind of concerns me is like well is this guy can is he ready so I'm hoping he gets a little bit better shape maybe he wasn't necessarily really prepared to be the full-time starter um you know where now he's coming into the season that way I'm hoping that he's in better shape a little more durable a little more meat on the bones so that he can he can power through the season but there's no question the talent's there and you know you know like you said top eight top ten he's certainly one of those guys um I really haven't been in a spot where he's been right there for me to pick, but um, I certainly wouldn't hesitate if he was. So we got number nine uh, on our list, and let's bring it to Blake, actually. So, Blake, you have David Johnson at number nine. Bob, you have him all the way up at six, and then I have David Johnson at ten. I definitely think that me and Blake are disrespecting David Johnson. Uh, (laughs) I think that we obviously see – Kingsbury come in with the air raid offense it should be everything shooting up for David Johnson especially with a down year last year of course that down year he was still the RB10 overall Um, so talk to me Blake why is he number nine and not up at six with uh, with Bob well I don't know I think he he definitely can be up at the number six spot and last year if it says anything I drafted him number two I had the second spot in the draft and I took him number two and I I think he's going to have a better year. So, you know, maybe I'm a little bit of a hypocrite. I don't know what you want to say, but uh, I just think that with these guys like Zeke and Saquon McCaffrey, those guys are guaranteed into that role. You just know what you're going to get. And I think that's uh, takes a little bit of the worry out of it when you're drafting a team. But I mean, you look at DJ, even in down year last year, uh, he was at RB9, actually. So, you know, he's a guy that's a first-round talent. Definitely have to have him in the first round, I think. But, you know, only 50, only 50 receptions last year, which I think really limited him. And we've seen him in the past where he can handle more receptions than that, and he should be able to get more than 10 touchdowns. So he's another player that can be pretty consistent. And I think when you put him together with Kyler Murray, he has huge upside. Even, I think, top four, top three, maybe upside. But – there's no point in reaching for him up there because people aren't drafting him up there. Yeah, he's going off the board like 107, uh, according to Fantasy Football Calculator. Uh, David Johnson had 258 carries last season. So 941 yards, obviously a lot left to be desired, seven touchdowns, um, and then, you know, in the passing game. It was just a mess for the Cardinals last year. You can just chalk up last year as just throw it away, throw it off the board, 
And now we can really see that there has to be improvement for David Johnson. I mean, you know, he didn't touch a thousand yards rushing. His goal is to have a thousand yards rushing and a thousand yards receiving in a season. That's still a goal of David Johnson's. Now, how likely that is, I don't know. But look, he has every opportunity to do something like that in this style of offense if it can work. And I think that's what you're seeing, Bob, with this air raid offense. Yeah, I mean, it has to be better than last year. And when last year is not that bad, I mean, this kind of – David Johnson reminds me of Gurley from a couple years ago where everybody was drafted him super high and he kind of had an okay year. But right. because he was drafted in the top three, everybody hated him who drafted him in the top three. I drafted David Johnson in the top three. You drafted David Johnson in the top three. We all hate him because he let us down. He was right. supposed to be our stud. Um, but what really happened was he didn't have that bad of a year. He just had a bad quarterback on a bad offense coordinator for the first four or five games. Um, even when Leftwich took over, they were better, but they weren't that great. Now you bring in a very high-powered offense with more weapons. You've got a better quarterback that can make things happen with Kyler Murray. You still have Fitz. You have Kirk. They brought in – now, who are the two guys they drafted? Hakeem Butler and somebody else. Oh, anyway. uh, Andy Isabella. Andy yeah, Isabella. so they got tons of weapons now. The teams can't just focus on stopping David Johnson. Um, you know, even if he, you know, it, like you said, I think the biggest thing for him last year was those receptions being down. I mean, yeah. if he gets a, if he gets back up to his 2016 numbers on receptions and, and that kind of stuff, he's going to be, he's definitely going to be, he could be top five. I don't know if we get top four because those are some big numbers and some big players they got to reach. But that's why I have him at six. Um, and, but you're right. You know, he's still, like you said, he's a 106, 107. His ADP a few a month ago was like 112, 113. Right. Um, so he's, he's definitely improved. I think people are starting to warm up to him. Yes. Um, but I still think he's a good value even at six or seven. Yeah, I liked him a lot more when he was like that 112, 201. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. And, uh, and if he drops, I mean, David Johnson's a guy you have to jump all over because he could easily drop with all of these great players. And then, of course, you know, DeAndre Hopkins and Devontae Adams right, right. are going to go off the board in the first round. David Johnson is a guy, and of the guys we talked about, you know, besides Todd Gurley, is going to slip in drafts. And just like you're talking about, Bob, Todd Gurley left a bad taste in our mouth. After the 2016 season, what did he do? He was unequivocally the, the running back one. Right. Um, so David Johnson really has all the upside in the world. So I, I really think that, um, you know, he's going to be a great value and you're going to be wishing that you had David right. Johnson. I mean, people forget two years ago, he had 411 fantasy points. That outdid everybody last year, including Zeke, including Barkley, including McCaffrey. So he can be done. And, and you know, I'm not saying he's going to hit that, but. He's certainly done it once. So our number 10 running back, uh, you guys both have Joe Mixon. I actually have Joe Mixon at number nine. I'm excited about Joe Mixon this season. We saw a breakout year for Mixon last year. He finished as the RB10, over 1,000 yards rushing, eight touchdowns. He did in the passing game. Uh, he is a three-down back. Um, I'm really liking what I see with Joe Mixon, but of course they still have Giovanni Bernard there. And then they drafted two rookies in uh, Trevion Williams and Rodney Anderson. I don't, I'm not really scared about that. Joe Mixon is one of the most talented running backs in the league. He was one of the most talented running backs in his draft class, which was historically great. Uh, Mixon is going to have a big 2019. 
Yeah, Rodney Anderson's going to have a good career in the NFL, but I just don't think he's going to be able to surpass Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard this year, maybe even in a couple of years. You know, I think it might take a change of scenery for him to really come to the foreground for uh, fantasy relevance. So Joe yes. Mixon's in a good spot there. He's going to get his work in, but uh, at the end of the day, I think the overall offense might limit his potential a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, he, you know, consistency-wise last year, 71%. That's not bad. That ranked him 11th. But see the gap, though, between the guys in the 90s and the 80s and a guy like Mixon who was at 71%. So it's a drop-off at that point. You know, I don't think I'm drafting Mixon ahead of Devontae Adams or Andre Hopkins or Beckham or any of those guys. I'd much rather have him in the second round as yes. my second player, whether it's my second back or my, my first back after a stud receiver. Um, but, you know, based on – Everybody else after him, he has definitely got the potential. You know, he had a really nice run at the end of the year where he earned six clutch games out of his last seven, um, and that was without Andy Dalton. So that tells me that, you know, with Andy Dalton, new coach, you know, if he can at least match last year and maybe bump that to 75 or 80% consistency and a top eight ranking in total points, um, that makes him worth that, that spot, and I think he can do that as well. So at number 11 – Bob, you have Dalvin Cook, which I think is 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 a great call. Uh, I have Leonard Fournette, and then Blake, you have Devontae Freeman. So we're a little all over the place there. But I think that the what we should take from this is that Devontae Freeman and Leonard Fournette, both of these guys, are going to fall in drafts. I mean, they're going in like late second round, early third round. I've seen Devontae Freeman fall into the fourth round. And Blake, you have him at number 11. So just talk to me about Devontae Freeman. If I get Devontae Freeman in the fourth round, yeah. you, already know, you already know how crazy I'll be going. I'll be sending you messages like crazy. Uh, you know, Tevin Coleman's gone. So yeah. even when Tevin Coleman was there, who was an RB2 alongside uh, Devontae Freeman as an RB1, there was plenty of production to go around. But now Tevin Coleman's gone. And I don't think Ido Smith's going to be an RB2. So that's got to leave Devontae Freeman in RB1 range, even though he's coming back from an injury. Um, and maybe even that'll help him being, be fresh. Uh, there's definitely some lingering concerns, with, as with any injury. But, you know, having a year off can, can keep you fresh. So it's not like he was getting 200 carries last year and coming into this season. So... You know, I really like what I see out of Devontae Freeman as a player, too. And like I said, I just think the opportunity is going to be there more than some of these other players uh, that are further down on my list. No, he's in a great offense. He's obviously the RB1. Uh, we just haven't seen him in a while. And for some reason, he has just dropped in ADP. I think he is the biggest case of just like, what is going on when it comes to ADP? <laughs> For Devontae Freeman because I would gladly take him uh, at the end of the second round uh, if he was there I would say okay yeah that makes sense yeah um, you know we've seen him be the RB1 overall in the past um, I, I believe there's still juice left they obviously believe in him in you know in Atlanta I thought they were going to get somebody like Justice Hill in the draft someone like that that could dispel uh, Devontae Freeman they really didn't do that they have Edo Smith I think they like him uh, around the goal line, we might see uh, him vulture some touchdowns from uh, from Devontae Freeman. But Devontae Freeman is far and away the best pass-catching running back on this team right now. So you got to love Definitely. that value. 
Yeah, and like I said, I have him 12, so I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I, I definitely believe he's a uh, running back one. And I think most importantly is because when you look at the fantasy football calculator, which you have up, I, I have it on PPR versus half, but it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. It's the gap. You know, uh, if you get down to number 10, it's Joe Mixon. Number 11 is Dalvin Cook, which is who I have. But 12 through 16 – which is the guys before Devontae Freeman because he's at 17 at you know, uh, pick 308. You've got Nick Chubb, Damian Williams, Marlon Mack, Fournette, and Josh Jacobs. Every one of those guys have big question marks. Um, there's things happening, whether it's you know Hunt for Chubb coming in there. Damian Williams, don't even get me started with why this idiot's that high. Um, <laughs> Marlon Mack, Fournette is a head case. Josh Jacobs is a rookie. And yet here's Mr. Consistency, Mr. Rely Upon. Yeah, his health certainly the out of sight out of mind is what scares people away but this guy has been an rb1 and in an offense they got two new uh offensive linemen in the draft two very good offensive linemen in the draft i mean this team and then got dirk cutter back as our oc uh this team is ready to score some points i'll take like you said i'll take freeman all day if i could pick zeke at one and at the turn on two and three get Devonte freeman to add to that oh, like yeah. you said blake I'm texting everybody. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, Devontae Freeman is what dreams are made of when you want to go zero RB. If you right. want to get a couple wide receivers to start off, maybe you go uh, DeAndre Hopkins and you turn it around with Mike Evans. Devontae right. Freeman's going to be there as yeah. your RB1. Middle, middle of the third round, take Devontae as your one. Sure, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, speaking of the idiot quote, <laughs> uh, I see that he's not in your top 24, so that's oh, pretty uh, controversial no. right there. Not even close. Wow. Not even close. I, yeah. I, I don't understand this at all. I don't know how people don't look at last year's stuff and say, Dam well, first off, let's go back before last year. Damian Williams couldn't beat out anybody in Miami to take the starting job. He goes to Kansas City. Do you know how many snaps? Snaps. Not, not touches. Not How many snaps he played until week 13? 32. Wow. So who has the freshest legs in the NFL in week 13 to take over the job when, when Kareem Hunt goes away? Damian right. Williams. Well, guess what? You, Blake, I know Blake could have been a top 10 back for those last five games <laughs> for that offense because who's going who's gonna to worry about Damian Williams when you have Tyreek Hill, Mahomes, Kelsey, Watkins? Uh, you have all these weapons. Well, of course Damian Williams is going to look like a stud in that offense. Well, if he was really that good, why did they go out and get Carlos Hyde? Right. Why? Because Carlos Hyde is a better all-around back. He's more durable. He can handle a full-season load. And in my opinion, Carlos Hyde will be that starting running back on that offense probably by week five, if not sooner, maybe even at the start of the season. I don't have Damian Williams anywhere near my top 24. This guy is going to buzz out real quick. And I'm letting people just – I mean, he's sitting here at 209 ahead yeah. of Mac, Fournette, Freeman. I, I just, it just makes me laugh. I'm with Bob on this one. I had him in a, in a 25 slot on my rankings because I have several people that, you know, could maybe go into that top 24, but I just don't think they're there. And the main reason is Carlos Hyde. I do think yeah. that Carlos Hyde will be the starting running back week one. And do you really think yeah, – Carlos Hyde's going in, what, round nine? Oh yeah! yeah. No, yeah. You really, you really think uh, Mahomes has that bad of an arm that they're going to need to run that much? You know, I'm not too worried about it. Right. Damian Williams could come in as like an RB three or flex spot. He's right. going to provide you good value, but 
you can't you can't draft him up there. I just don't think right. you're going to get any good return on that. Yeah, he'll right. have he'll, good weeks. He'll have good weeks. I think we can expect good weeks from Damian Williams, but we can expect him to be like a top 10 back, which, you know, we would be talking about that if it were like Kareem Hunt, obviously, in right. this situation. So they got Carlos Hyde. They also drafted then Darwin Thompson. So right. James right. Williams, arguably the best pass-catching running back in, the, in this rookie class, goes undrafted, and then Kansas City just scoops him up. I think he's going to actually have a role in this team. Um, because right. yeah, they got a lot of weapons. I mean, remember two years ago, Carlos Hyde was a top 12 back in San Francisco and caught 60 balls that year. Yeah. Um, he, and, and was a full-time back for that offense. He could do it. And, and, and he was actually, he was actually four for five in clutch games last year for the Browns until they finally traded him because somebody wanted to give him a fifth round pick for him. And they had Nick Chubb anyway, it wasn't like he was doing poorly. It was just right. the fact that they got something for him. So they were like, yeah, sure, we'll give you him for a fifth-round pick. And yeah, he, that's he why started, they shipped him off. But he was doing very good for the Browns until that point. Yeah, he started the season great. Uh, you know, if you drafted him in, like, the fifth or sixth round, you were happy with the production he was giving you at the beginning of the season. Right. Unfortunately, he got traded away and then, of course, was irrelevant. Um, yeah. But, you know, now he is relevant again. I think we should be talking more about Carlos Hyde. That's a good, good call. Uh, Blake, I saw the last-minute switch here on the dock. You put Marlon Mack at number 12, just like your boy. <laughs> I'm excited about that. Marlon Mack at, as RB1 gets me going because I was very excited about Marlon Mack last year. I put him as like my RB22 before the season. Nobody had him inside the top 24 that I saw. And then, of course, he had a really nice season, um, had some injury issues, uh, where Naheem Hines and, and, and people like that really got some opportunity. But Marlon Mack is a big winner post-draft, and he is the RB1 for this Indianapolis Colts offense, which I think should be talked about as like you know a top three or four offense in the league right now. Absolutely. So if you're talking about a top three, or let's just say top five offense in the league, and you have the RB1 on that team that's going in the third round, I think something's up there. I think Marlon Mack is a great value this year. Well, the thing I'm thinking is how many, how many times are they going to be in the red zone? You yeah. can't expect people to keep Andrew Luck out of the red zone with all the weapons he has very often. Right? No, definitely. And, you, you know, we've talked a lot about opportunity, and you have to have the opportunity to have the consistency. They really go hand in hand. There's no question. Last year, in the six games that Marlon Mack touched the ball at least 15 times, or had at least 15 carries, I should say, he averaged 22.17 fantasy points and was a perfect six for six in clutch games. If you annualize that and he could get 15 carries every game and stay healthy every game, that would annualize and he would have ranked fifth last year in total points as well. So to get wow. him as an RB2 is a fantastic spot. And and I don't have him as an RB1. I think I have him a little bit after that, 13, 14, 15, somewhere in there. But the point is is that, you know, if, if he's looking healthy and he's looking good in preseason, he might move into my top 12. Yeah, you know, he doesn't catch as many passes as you'd like. You right, know? because I, I of Hines, right. Exactly. I think that's definitely something. You know, I mean, 17 catches last year really is not the kind of running back that is usually on my fantasy teams. Uh, but again, I love that RB1 uh, as a Colt. Um, now, who we didn't talk about, Bob, you have Dalvin Cook at number 11. So we kind of skipped over that. But that is, you know, we know he's a three down back in a good offense. 
Yeah, it's all about health for Cook. It really is. I mean, if this guy could, you know, sign a contract with the devil to play 16 games and everybody knew it, I, I think we'd probably move him up even higher. I mean, back-to-back seasons, he's been 75% and 73% consistent. only problem is he only played four games one year and 11 the other. Right. So it, when he's on the field, this kid can put up the, the fantasy numbers you need in a PPR system. The problem is he can't stay on the field. Um, let's hope that this year they get a little bit better improvement on the offensive line. If he can stay healthy, I mean, he's, that's why I have him number 11. It's really about what he can do when he's on the field. Um, he might be higher if I knew he could play all 16 games. Yeah, there's really no reason why Dalvin Cook can't be a top 10 back. Um, right. No, I, absolutely. Yeah. So, again, you're going to get a lot of value. Because of all these top guys that we've talked about already, you know, the Dalvin Cooks and, you know, the Marlon Max people like that, they're going to fall, and you're going to have great value where they can easily be uh, in the top 10. Um, a lot of these guys that we're talking about could enter that top 10 and be in that conversation for sure. Absolutely. All right. That concludes our top 12 running backs. Bob Lung, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show, man. It's been a long time coming. Uh, you know, really glad that you come on. Just tell the folks what you got coming up uh, for them and then tell us about a back that you would put into your top 12 if you could. Gotcha. All right. Well, again, thank you guys for having me. It's really been an honor just to be on here and talk with uh, some good, smart uh, fantasy guys. I'm always welcome, you know, always open to come on anytime you need me. But uh, like you said, you can find the uh, 2019 Fantasy Football Consistency Guide uh, printed copy on Amazon. Ship uh, Prime, too. If you're a Prime person, you get it in two days. That's awesome. Um, and you can get, of course, get it online. You have the full access to all of the articles, the consistency tool, which I didn't talk about. But basically, you can put in your own scoring method for your league, tells you who the most consistent players were in your scoring method on the site. Uh, you have access to that. All of that's there on the bigguyfantasysports.com. So, and of course, follow me on Twitter at Bob underscore Lung. So, since this show is called Hot Take, I could take Carry On Johnson and say he could move from 13 to 12, but that's not a hot take, is it? So I'm going to throw this hot take at you. Right now I have Chris Carson around 19th or 20th on my rankings. The only reason I have him there is because he's 24th in ADP. I honestly had him like 13th a few weeks ago, but I I moved him back because I'm like, you know what? I, I want somebody to take him a little bit later. I don't want somebody to take him too early. But let me tell you why I think Chris Carson could move into the top 12. Last year, when he was playing for Pete Carroll, uh, who is a nutbag, we all know, and he had to you know, fight out with Mike Davis and, and Rashad Penny occasionally, uh, Chris Carson got the most opportunities of anyone, any of them. In fact, there were 11 games where Chris Carson had double-digit carries. In those 11 games – he averaged 17.1 fantasy points a game and was a had a 91% clutch rate in those 11 games. Did you hear what I said? 91% clutch rate in those 11 games. Now, Mike Davis is gone. Rashard Penny will move into that role. He'll be the pass catching back. I get that. But this team's all about the run. Yes. And if he can just even come close to those numbers and Pete Carroll can be smart enough for once to let him get – double-digit carries every week. Chris Carson could easily be a top 12 back. That's my hot take for who moved into the top 12. I love that. Yeah, I mean, not a lot of people are going to have Chris Carson anywhere close to that top 12. 
Um, of course, you're going to get him way later in drafts than anywhere close to that. Um, if there's a chance, and yeah, of course, he's a fourth round pick. If there's a chance, grab him in that fourth round and you could have yourself an RB1 potentially. If not, he's a surefire RB2 oh, right. in 2019. Uh, Blake, who is your RB that you would put in the top 12? Yeah, so I was actually leaning towards taking Chris Carson in that spot, but I'm going to go for an even hotter bold take here. I'm going to go with David Montgomery. I think he's just going to step into the league and just absolutely kill it. He could be in a situation much like Chris Carson where he gets 220 to 230 carries this year. Uh, And even though Tariq Cohen's going to take a lot away from him as far as the receiving game goes, I think that that offense is going to be marching down the field a lot. They're going to want to slow things down. It's going to be a lot of ground and pound with David Montgomery, and I think he's going to find the end zone plenty. Uh, I had him ranked at 17 overall, but I think he is the one guy in my whole list here that could make the biggest jump uh, as far as if his success goes well, and you're going to be able to get him really late in drafts. So that's the one thing I really love about him. He should easily be a flex guy this year, but he could potentially be an RB2 or if in this case with a really hot, bold prediction, an RB1. Yeah, I mean, we've seen in recent years, rookies come in, and when they're given the keys to the Cadillac, they do work. They have the fresh legs. Um, with Dave Montgomery, it's a little different. He's put up seasons at, in, at Iowa State where he put up 250 carries. That's kind of why I like Dave Montgomery, because he's going into a role where he's already done it. He's done it in, in, a, in a, um, a competitive D1 program uh, in college. And now he's coming into the NFL where it's like Jordan Howard is gone and here's David Montgomery ready. So I love that take. Um, I'm going to go with Mark Ingram. I think he is my 14th ranked running back. Let me double check here. Mark Ingram is my 19th overall. So I actually have him one spot behind David Montgomery. But he is a guy that could easily jump into the top 12. Of course, we saw him. He was the RB6 overall in 2017 with the New Orleans Saints. Now he's coming into a role where he is the lead dog in Baltimore. There are a few different running backs here, but I think that he's still going to easily exceed 200 uh, to 250 carries. He's going to be around that 225 mark. And then, of course, he can catch the ball, too, out of the backfield. We saw him get over 50 passes in uh, in two seasons with the New Orleans Saints. So he could touch, you know, 40 to 50 catches as well in this offense. You know, you're talking about uh, Seattle's running backs last year, uh, Bob, and, you know, 534 mm-hmm. attempts for the Seattle Seahawks. Baltimore Ravens, of course, 547 led the league. Now, of course, you you talk about Lamar Jackson getting about 100 or so carries last year of that. But I love Mark Ingram as the lead dog in this offense. Of course, it's run first. They're going to run the ball, and then they're going to run it, run it again. So yeah, I love exactly. Mark Ingram. Well, and Mark Ingram, just a few years ago, it might have been 2014, 2015, uh, before Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram that one year led the NFL in consistency at 92% playing for the Saints when wow. they didn't have Kamara there to get in the way. So he can, he's proven he can do it. So he's a few years older, but I think that's a great spot for him. I, I like that take as well. I think I have him 14th as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Bob, thanks again for coming on to the show. Uh, anything to talk about before we get out of here on these running backs? No, I think the key is, is you know, this year, um, I, I think the biggest scenario is, you know, those four at the beginning are, are going to go there. You know, it's going to be that 
pick five through 12 yes. um, is going to make the difference. And if you're in that spot, you know, don't hesitate. I, I, here's my true belief. I truly believe running backs this year are deeper than wide receivers. And I'll tell you why, because if I can pick a, a DeAndre Hopkins at six and a Mike Evans or a, uh, or a Julio Jones or Michael Thomas or somebody in the second round, and then I can still get a Devontae Freeman, a Carrion Johnson, a Marlon Mack, those kind of guys in fourth, fifth round, I feel much better than going James Conner and, uh, you know, let's say Dalvin Cook and then picking, you know, Brandon Cooks and, you know, Tyler Amari Lockett Cooper. is my one and two or Amari Cooper's my one and two. Exactly. So I think, I think the running backs are a little bit deeper that I've been doing a lot of drafts where I've went two receivers. Heck, I even went three receivers one time because I went, I think it was Odell, Julio, Julian Edelman, and then finally started getting my running backs. And I still got uh, Chris Carson and Mark Ingram and, you know, and then got a good quarterback like a Deshaun Watson or, or Rogers. So, you know, I really think this year the running backs are deeper in and have a better value in that fourth, fifth round than, than in getting the top receivers because I think the receivers fall off a lot after the top 15. Um, no, they really especially do. consistency wise. And that, that's, that's kind of my thought this year. That's what my drafting approach has been so far in my best balls. You know, they, people have always had the, the, the narrative in their mind that the wide receiver position is deep, but yeah, you can get production out of the wide receiver late in drafts, but you're not going to get every week production. Right. You know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the consistency drops off because once you get past, like I said, maybe let's say top, yeah, I'd say top 15 because you get into Mari Cooper and Jarvis Landry, Brandon Cooks, Tyler Lockett, Galladay, Jeffrey. Um, these guys are all good, but they're not guaranteed 70 to 80% consistency. Right. And that's what you want in those first five rounds. You want to be as high as possible. So like I said, if you could start off with 100% and get Hopkins and then Julio or Odell and those kind of guys and load up there, you know, like I have Julian Edelman sixth overall. My ranking sheet, he's sixth because mm. he's 92% consistent. People are losing their mind on this so far. I've got a lot of tweets. No, <laughs> but, I mean, but yeah. you know, Michael Thomas is only 75% consistent. Tony O'Brown is a question mark. AJ Green's a question mark with injuries. Um, you know, there, there's certainly some solid value there. But like I said, I'd rather load up on that big, you know, most of the big. 10 of the top 10 guys or top 12, 14 guys, and then go and get, like I said, the Derrick Henry's, the Marlon Max, Sony Michelle's, Aaron Jones, uh, even Fournette and Lamar Miller and those kind of guys. Get them later because yeah. I think they'll still put up 70% consistency in, in uh, you know, PPR format. And I'd much rather have that combination than to be loading up on three wide receivers and then my run, you know, or I'm sorry, on uh, loading up on three running backs. And then all of a sudden my three wide receivers are Marvin Jones, Sammy Watkins and Tyler Boyd. Right. It's a situation you, know? you don't want to run into. Right. And I, the way I've always drafted is two stud wide receivers. I need two stud wide receivers that are going to give me every week production. Um, you know, their floor has to be something like eight to 10 points. That right. has to be the bare minimum floor. Cause I can't walk into a week with a Julio Jones 
and then a Brandon Cooks, and Brandon Cooks gives me five points. That that kills your week. Um, so that, it's all good stuff. Um, on behalf of Blake Sullivan and Bob <laughs> Lung, my name is Stephen Taroni. This has been the Hot Take Podcast. <laughs>